Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I am here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. As always, we're going to talk a little bit of fasting and the insulin-friendly lifestyle. We're going to continue to break things down in an actionable way, or at least that's our plan and our intention. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think today is going to be a good conversation um, as we're going to talk about the age-old debate of how fast should you lose weight and is there an actual too fast? We're going to reference a couple articles. If you're new to the podcast, uh, feel free to go back and listen to the first few episodes with a little bit of grace as we were just starting um, our journey on telling our story and starting to help people uh, get results just like you and I had, Tommy. So go back and listen to our, our, our story um, you can also check out the website, thefastingforlife.com. We got a couple of free resources there, a fast start guide on how to put fasting into your day-to-day life, as well as an insulin resistance assessment. Um, and we've gotten some really cool feedback on that. So um, let's dive into today's conversation, Tommy. And this came out of the, um, like I mentioned, the age-old debate of, can you lose weight too fast? And is there any science to support what's actually happening and why? And then we're going to apply that to obviously the fasting lifestyle and give you some um, some really cool takeaways of why we we continue to see uh, the results that we see and why we feel that this is a really viable way um, to to live, not just diet, but actually apply this for long term. Yeah, yeah, lifestyle wise, sustainability. this question about how quickly is too quick to to lose weight and is there an optimal time frame or optimal rate? Um, I remember hearing like, okay, a, about a pound to a pound and a half a week. Um, if you want to be a little bit more on the aggressive side, I heard it quoted at two pounds or two and a half pounds a week. I don't think I ever saw a recommendation um, beyond that point, but um, I don't I don't know if if those recommendations were were coming from you know an actual like data driven standpoint, or if it kind of just became one of those things that, that we hear get parroted over and over again, because somebody had heard it before and it it seemed reasonable. And, um, like a big thing keeping me from fasting was like fear, some sort of fear, like that I was going to do it too fast or that you, you shouldn't go more than a few hours without eating something. And, and just this kind of like imaginary kind of fear, like this self-limiting thing. I, I always think about the the weight loss in terms of percentages too. So for my my, my brain, mm. some, for some reason, like 0.3% to 0.8% your body weight per week, mm. the low and slow type approach. And there's a really good point that you brought up while we were prepping for today's conversation um, about patience and timing. And I want to make sure that we hit on that. But to to start it off, it's like, like you were saying, if you want to preserve muscle and lose fat, like the age old adage that could have been handed down, right, is... Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the article we actually are going to share with you today shows there is a benefit to that, but we're going to apply it to fasting. Um, and it, it's really like, don't be in a rush. Right. And mm -hmm. I love the title, uh, you know, how fast is too fast just because the word fast is in there twice. Right. Um, but the conversation really comes out of the international journal of endocrinology and metabolism in 2017 in July. And the articles named rapid weight loss versus slow weight loss, which is more, which is more effective on body composition and metabolic risk factors. That's the point that we're really going to key on here in just a minute. So the study set up in a way where it was defined over a period of five weeks and uh, 15 weeks, respectively, the prescribed calorie restricted diet contained 15% protein, 30% to 35% fat and 50 to 55% carb. Um, on average, in order to provide weight loss. So the meal plans were three main meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and three snacks, mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and bedtime. Mm -hmm. So a lot of you that might be listening, I just saw the look on your face because we are on yeah. a Zoom as we're recording this. You like cringed a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. Brought you back, right? That, and that's then, a lot of eating opportunities there. It is, it is. So we're going to obviously talk about insulin and, and fasting blood sugar and those types of things as well, those metabolic factors. Um, so the snacks were again, mid morning, mid afternoon and bedtime and low saturation of trans fats, cholesterol, salt, and added sugars. So all the diets were designed according to the dietary guidelines for Americans and the low calorie diets produced an energy deficit. So, um, of 500 to 750 was one group. And then the other group was, um, the 1000 to 1500 calorie deficit per day. So the slow group, the low and slow group was 500 to 750. The fast group was 1000 to 1500. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the study, the anthropomorphic and biomechanical assessments were conducted looking at, um, on all of the people who who reached the desired weight loss, right? So only the people that got to the end by completing yeah. the study, which I think is a good point. And then we looked at, the, um, the results. So, Starting off with that framework, Tommy, there were a couple of, um, you know, one of the main takeaways from the article was the fact that the fast weight loss group had a uh, change in body composition that really brings up the conversation about muscle catabolism um, and why um, that is one of the kind of sticking points. And one of the questions we hear a lot about is like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my muscle. I just want to mm -hmm. burn the fat. Yeah. Especially, um, it, it's, it's easy to, to get into kind of a workout exercise mentality, uh, like diet and weight loss, like, like diet and exercise, they go together. Um, you know, like peanut butter and jelly, like diet. Ah, and I was just going to say that. Yeah. Right. Perfect. So, so, um, it, it's, it's easy to kind of commingle the, the two. So if you spend a lot of time, um, actually, you know, lifting weights or, you know, doing physical activity, um, you don't want to erase any of that by, by losing the fat. Right. And that, that, that's always kind of the, 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 the boogeyman that that's, that's one of the monsters that that's kind of like on the other side of, of, of weight loss or fasting. Um, am I going to lose muscle? You want to be protective of that muscle. So, um, I, I thought it was interesting in this, in this study here, because, um, the 500 to 750, that's, that's a slow group, like you said. So the, the goal was to lose 5% of their body weight. You were, you were talking in percentages a minute ago. So this was 5% of their body weight over a 15 week period. And then the other, the, the thousand to 1500 calories was uh, 5% of their body weight 
over a five-week period. So that's how they define you know, slow and fast. And when we get into the, the muscle catabolism, um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to understand that um, there are a few different physiological processes happening here. Um, and and what's, what's governing fat and governing muscle production, those are two very separate and distinct things. We have to lift heavier weights in order to build stronger muscles. And we also have to understand that for the body to break down protein from its skeletal muscles, that's a very, uh, very rare thing, but it does happen for a set set of reasons that we're going to go into too. Yeah, we'll talk about that for sure, which I think is one of the main takeaways from this. So the study really showed that the slow group retained more lean body mass than the fast group, right? The group that mm -hmm. was trying to lose the same amount of weight in five weeks. And, you know, there's a couple of, you know, things to think about. We did a whole episode on how there's like a percentage, 13 to 25% of fat tissue is actually protein. So it's not all just fat. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, one of the things that can happen when you lose large amounts of weight quickly, um, is the, the loss of that lean body mass tissue. So the loss of the thermodynamic effect, the loss of your body's ability to burn more. So you're like downshifting the energy stores of the body. Mm -hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that we're looking at this and this study in the light of, um, almost like a low calorie, high insulin model. So before we can talk right. about the body going to protein as an energy source, when it doesn't have sugar, which is the gluconeogenesis, which is one of the things we'll talk about and how to protect yourself from that happening with a fasting lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, we're really looking at this, 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 uh, this fast group, right? The, the group that had the larger deficit. It's really a low calorie, high insulin model. Right. So you've got a, a chronic elevated insulin. You've got a lower blood sugar being pushed down by the small little meals. Mm -hmm. And you're never really tapping into um, the, 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 the ability of your body to transition from a sugar burner to a fat burner. Right. Yeah. You're, you're literally short circuiting that cycle. You're, you're, you're tricking the body that uh, it cannot get into sufficient ketosis to tap into those long-term fat stores. So when we're sitting at a thousand or a 1500 calorie deficit every single day for five weeks and insulin levels remain high because we're spiking them throughout the day with, with six different eating opportunities, the body is literally forced to go into that catabolizing muscle breakdown. There's probably a little bit of organ tissue breakdown as well, because um, the, the data shows that the, the two catabolize, um, you know, uh, in, in the same metabolic state uh, of the body. So it was being forced to reach into the muscle stores to grab those additional calories that it needed. But if we, if we do it the right way, it should be tapping into long-term fat stores, but that's not what they saw in this study because of the way it was designed. Right. So it was designed as a low calorie, high insulin model. So it was actually mm -hmm. stopping that process from actually happening. And we're going to talk about what you can do to prevent that. A um, couple more takeaways from this. I found it interesting that right in the middle of the discussion, there was a, um, a statement consistent with the current study findings indicate that slow weight loss as recommended by current guidelines worldwide is not a priority over rapid weight loss. 
So there's a study, Purcell et al., in a clinical trial study, the effect of weight loss rate and weight management. And their results showed that in the long term with rapid weight loss, more than with the slow gradual weight loss, um, that the weight loss is faster and more sustainable and more stable. Mm-hmm. So the research suggested that limited carbohydrate intake, and this is why this is important, because um, we're going to talk about tapping into those fat stores and how you can set yourself up for success while fasting to make sure that you are protecting that lean body tissue. Um, so the in that study, they limited the limited carbohydrate intake on the low calorie diet um, would promote greater satiety and less in food intake by inducing ketosis. Mm. So losing weight quickly may also motivate people to persist with their diet or their lifestyle change. I just did air quotes. I always forget when I do that, we're on an audio medium here. Um, (laughs) Because uh, you're actually going to be promoting the body to, you know, get into ketosis, stay in ketosis and have more satiation Mm -hmm. um, with tapping into those fat stores. So um, just to recap, when that's all from just the weight loss perspective, right, Tommy? Mm-hmm. The other side is that in here, it says that this study, the one that we're talking about, rapid versus slow weight loss, slower weight loss, um, both protocols showed that weight loss could improve cholesterol panels as well as blood sugar levels, right? Right. But it also found that the same amount of weight loss, the impact on reducing levels of fasting blood sugar, LDL, the air quotes, bad cholesterol, and improvement of insulin resistance and sensitivity. So resistance is bad, sensitivity is good, mm-hmm. was greater in the rapid weight loss group. Positive effects of rapid weight loss on metabolic factors were reported in several other studies. So if we're talking about being weight loss resistant, insulin resistant, pre-diabetic, obese, obesity, um, uh, you know, uh, demographics, right? Those groups of mm-hmm. people, then for me personally, getting the weight off has faster, has more benefit on the blood sugar and resistance issue, which is the underlying cause of the problem to begin with. If you've got right. the same 20 pounds that you, you lose and put back on and lose and put back on, you're actually going to be able to balance out the fasting blood sugar, lower the chance of diabetic, pre-diabetic, or normal blood sugar, come down in those categories, come down in the BMI categories from obese to overweight to healthy weight. Mm-hmm. You're going to increase your insulin sensitivity So for me, the juice is absolutely 100% worth the squeeze in this. And we're going to show you how you can then do a few things to prevent the possibility of what this study was showing, which is that muscle breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, y'all, I wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, And now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the air doctor pro in his room. And I am not joking. When I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. 
the second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. And, and even even before that, to, to get back to your previous point there, that that reminds me of the, the patience yes. that's involved in the process, right? The wins. Like um, it, it takes, it, it takes a decision to, you know, to, to lose some weight to say, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to count my calories. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, break, um, break some of those old patterns. I'm going to start going to the gym or I'm going to exercise more, whatever it is. 10 pounds in 90 days, whatever it yeah. is. Right. Yeah, it, it took a decision to do that, but the longer it takes, the we only have so much patience for a process, especially if the process isn't going as planned. Because you could you could set out, you know, on a on a gung ho Monday, right, and then and do everything right, and then you know if the scale's not budging in in like a week, maybe two weeks, do you have the the patience to keep going with it, um, or might it be like it, it might be a sign that I'm that I'm kind of doing something a little bit wrong and I'm not sure. And now self-doubt starts to kind of creep in. And then maybe I, maybe I ditch it, or maybe I have a, a tough weekend. I kind of, you know, I fall into some old bad habits because they, they can help give me a little bit uh, of, of good feeling. I can get some dopamine from it because I didn't get it from the scale, right? I'm not getting the feedback I'm looking for. So that can take a lot of patience regardless, even if you are on the right track. So I, I like the more rapid approach just for my own, like, um, sanity. Yes. Sanity. And, and <laughs> yeah. you know, like that, that positive reinforcement that I'm, I'm doing something right. You know, as long as I'm, I'm, I'm working on building the right long-term habits too, while I'm going through the process. Yeah. What I just heard there was sustainability, mm -hmm. right? So the right, again, air quotes diet, right? The first three letters of the word, yeah. um, painful, right? The, that, that lifestyle 
Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is it for you? So that's why we love fasting because it can adapt to paleo. It can adapt to high carb. It can adapt to low carb. It can adapt to keto. It can adapt to ve- vegan, vegetarian. It can adapt to pescatarian. Like whatever you yeah. want, it has that adaptability. So I want to talk a little about kind of transition away from the fat loss, uh, the weight loss benefits, right? Fast versus non-fast. Mm-hmm. And then we just really hit on one of the big benefits, which is, you know, getting to the underlying metabolic factors, which we saw were better in the faster weight loss group. Yeah. You just outlined beautifully the emotional mental benefits of getting those wins and the patience. My grandmother always says, you know, patience is a virtue. I have no idea what that means, but I still don't have any. So um, my kids are teaching it to me one slow, painful interaction at a time, love them to death. But my goodness, I didn't realize I could learn so much being right. in care of a tiny little terrorist human. Tiny teachers. Um, they are, right? Little tiny mm-hmm. teachers. So one of the cool things that we can do with fasting to transition into the positive part of today's, you know, the, the back half of today's conversation is, you know, again, back to the beginning of the bodybuilding, fitness experts, nutritionists, like um, you want to protect that muscle mass. And fasting does a couple of cool things. And I'm not going go to go back to the hunter-gatherer example you know, like where they didn't eat for weeks, they didn't die. Mm. Right. Right. They actually, I'm not going to go down that. Right. So, um, it wouldn't be very evolutionary positive if, if that was, if that was the case, Mm. um, moving away from that and going into some more real scientific type stuff in today's world is when you fast up to 72 hours, and especially at that 24 hour mark, you're going to have a massive up to 3000% increase in growth hormone and before anybody says, well, growth hormone doesn't, isn't anabolic, right? It does, anabolic meaning anabolic steroids, anabolic meaning anabolic, like muscle growth, right? Muscle growth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you're right. It's not. But growth hormone is lean body tissue protective. The higher mm-hmm. levels of growth hormone you have, the more lean body, um, uh, body, the lean body mass or lean body tissue you protect. And I want you to unpack this here in just a second, Tommy. The other two hormones that you see that go up are... Um, short-term fasting has been shown to increase luteinizing hormone, which is a precursor to, to testosterone, mm-hmm. 67% increase after 56 hours in obese men, and then a 26% increase in gonadotropin releasing hormone or GNRH, which is another testosterone stimulant. And that was a 67% increase, which led to a 180% boost in testosterone. If wow. you're a woman out here listening to this, no, trust me, you're not going to you know, grow a trap or, or another layer on your bicep, like doing resistance training or, or boot camps, or, you know, for me, I love, I, I'm not a big weightlifter anymore or power, you know, from my old powerlifting days. Yeah, yeah. I don't really love that stuff. I prefer to just do body weights and kettlebells and resistance bands. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just easier. I feel better. I'm not hurting and wobbling, stumbling okay. around the house and not being able to get off the couch all the time. So some, some hormonal benefits there. Um, and the cool thing is, is when we talk about the, the, how you can set yourself up for success, Tommy, which is, you know, one of the reasons why you might break down lean tissue is that gluconeogenesis, which is the conversion of protein into glucose, which you alluded to, but I want you to unpack what we can do to make sure that we are setting ourselves up properly. And when we fast, we're actually getting all the benefit. Yeah. So, uh, much like, like the design in the study, and and why we saw some of that muscle breakdown, it's the same thing with the low and slow diet and why it can lead to lower levels of GnRH and human growth hormone and testosterone and luteinizing hormone like and estrogen. It, it can 
uh, the the thyroid hormone, the, the body starts to turn down the master volume control um, when it goes through prolonged periods of small calorie deficits. What it prefers and what it's it, what it's designed to react to much, much better and actually in a positive way is actually when we switch, when we flip the switch, more of an on or off rather than just a slow turn down the volume. Painful so, transition. Right. So, so what I mean by that is basically the difference between fasting and between a, a small caloric deficit. And so what we do there is we maximize the time that we're getting those growth hormone spikes and those, those GNRH spikes we're, 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 we're hitting, um, good hormonal responses, um, rather than, than kind of turning down that, that volume. And so what we, what we want to do there is be more deliberate about keeping the insulin low, which we do by decreasing the number of eating opportunities and tightening up the, the amount of time during the day that we're actually ingesting food and which is raising the insulin levels and then um, a whole host of, of other uh, hormonal cascades that come along with it. Yeah, the one point of clarification, because I don't think I explained it well, was um, the, and you alluded to it earlier too, on top of that, was that the the breakdown of protein, right? That lean body tissue can only happen in a couple of cases. And one is mm -hmm. that process of taking protein into glucose. And that only happens, like you alluded to earlier, when you don't have access to a fuel supply. Right. So- right. <clears throat> If insulin is high and glucose is low, right, because you, you're doing the super fast, the 1,000 to 1,500 calorie deficit a yeah. day, but you're still eating three small meals and three snacks, right? Um, your, your body's going to be, you know, processing through that, right? So you may yeah. trigger it because you're not able, like you mentioned, to get into ketosis or get into, um, I don't love the term keto adapted, but get into a, a state where your body is able to tap into those supplies. So to prevent the possibility of that muscle breakdown, never mind you have all the hormonal increases that you just mentioned, but the best thing to do is deplete your liver glycogen first before you're starting to go into longer fasts. And this is what we do in our challenges is we use the fast ramp up. So we increase 18 to 20 to 22 to 24, and then we do 36s and 48s. And we don't do a lot over 72 these days. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's the magic really happens in cycling those windows, right? We talk about fast yeah. cycling, but to prevent that catabolism or that breakdown, depleting your liver glycogen first. So make your last meal lower carbohydrate so your body can get into ketosis quicker. And then also exercising in a fasted state or even just walking in a fasted state can help your body burn those short-term energy stores that are in your muscles. Yeah. And then you're going to be able to transition even quicker. So Never mind you get the benefits from those spikes of hormones, but you're also going to be able to set yourself up for success. And this is why we feel that the fast cycling that we do inside of the group and we do in our own lives and varying those windows and moving the eating times, um, you know, is, is really why it works so well. So that may have been a lot if you're new to this podcast, Tommy, right? <laughs> so in conclusion for today, if you haven't started fasting, the best thing to do is go to the website, download the fast start guide. Um, and, uh, you know, you can put, you can put a simple one meal a day or intermittent fasting window into your day-to-day -day life. And you really don't really need to worry too much about this stuff yet, but I love the takeaway of, you know, the, the, the handed down old adage of mm -hmm. don't lose weight too fast. Cause you're re going to regain it. You're going to mess up all of these different things that we can go down those rabbit holes, but is losing weight 
um, how fast is too fast? Well, we just went through the pros and cons. And to me, the pros of getting to those metabolic markers and then mm-hmm. having these couple of things you can do to prevent your body from breaking down the protein and getting into ketosis faster, far outweigh the fact that you might lose a percentage or two. But, right. um, you know, so that's why I just I love this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I do, too. And if you're like brand new to this and, you know, maybe you're you're at a 12 hour window or you're an eight hour window, like just expand that a little bit more because that's going to help you keep those insulin levels that much lower, which is going to allow your body to tap into those long term fat stores when you're not eating and and not worrying about um, about your your muscle uh, at that point, because you're going to have the protective effects as your fast get a bit longer. And mm-hmm. as your insulin levels stay lower, longer, you're able to tap into those fat stores. So keep doing that, push it a little bit further. If, if you're ready for, for one meal a day and want to see how we do that, then go download the fast archive, the fastingforlife.com. And, um, I, you know, just get started, get started today. Love it. Love it. As always, sir, thank you for the conversation. Uh, and, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. 